With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Commander. It is good to see you again. This is the XCOM Podcast, backed by the XCOM Discord, part of the biggest XCOM fan community with more than 96,000 members across both Discord and Reddit. Hello, and welcome to the XCOM Podcast. This is our very first episode. I'm Commander Cello, admin of the XCOM Discord, and I'm quite glad to have all of you here with us today. Just to clarify, we are not affiliated with Firaxis or 2K in any way, shape or form, although we are very big fans of their franchise. Joining me today are my second in command, Central Officer Hack. Hello. Squid Lord Alex. Hi, I'm uh, the average normal person here with a long history of video game expertise and also a writer on StrategyGamer.com, a freelance games journalist. And Radio DJ Kumiko. Why am, how did I get here? <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Now. Centro, do you mind taking us through who we are? Well, the XCOM Discord is the largest collection uh, of people who are into XCOM. Everyone here, bar one, is very, very active in that community and have a sort of large sort of expertise of XCOM. Um, Cello's been playing it for, I don't know, how long have you been playing XCOM, Cello? His whole life. <laughs> it's been well, up to in this. a way, yeah. <laughs> I played the original one uh, way back when, and it didn't really grab me because it was a little bit too, you know, cartoony and anime and stuff like that. And then when the new one came by Feroxes, Excellent Enemy Unknown, uh, I just fell utterly in love by everything in it. The game, the military focus, the whole tale of humanity uniting, uh, you know, to fight with hope against uh, vastly overpowered foe and things like that and then turning the table on them all that to me is what XCON is and basically is pretty good. throughout XCON 1 and the expansion and XCON 2 and that expansion I've just been utterly in love with XCON every step of the way when XCON 2 came out and the trailer showed up on E3 and the console man turns around and says, Hello, Commander. I actually screamed like a girl. <laughs> so that was my reaction to it. <laughs> I just went, Ah, XCON! So, yeah, that happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, that, I mean, that's a lot of XCOM. I've been playing it since, I don't know, I, a few years. Since, since Enemy Within came out, I know that much, at least. Um, Kumiko, how, how long have you been playing XCOM for? Uh, so, back in, I think it was late 2017, there was a free weekend for XCOM 2, and I started playing it then, and then obviously I didn't have the money to play it more past the weekend, but, uh, you know, look, I was in high school, I was a very poor child, 
But um, I went to one of those really shady sites, you know, where like you have to watch ads to get cash. And I'm getting, and and I went through that. <laughs> I went through that to get to a Steam key, right after a certain amount for uh, XCOM Enemy Enemy with or Enemy Unknown with all of the DLC. And that was, I think, really early 2018. And then, man, I I fell in love. That is that is indeed the best. Um, so yeah. You better, better, almost better, you know, better than XCOM, Papi. That's okay. Um, that's, 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 you're, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Shut up. I Just mean, so, so is I, okay? Don't bully me. Don't bully me. I'm, you're bullying me as well. L- listen, I, I've, I, I felt personally attacked when you guys were like, almost <laughs> all of us I, I wasn't aimed at yeah, you. Thanks. I was aimed at Alex. Speaking of Alex, how long have you been playing XCOM for? Uh, do I get to consider X com? Because I you picked can, that up and released that. You can indeed day. consider X hyphen com. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm old school. I mean, by that, get off my lawn! <laughs> uh, you know, I I've been playing the game as long as the game's been around. And when the the XCOM no hyphen came out, and there was such a big hullabaloo about, oh, they've changed so much, they've ruined it, they've made it so much more streamlined. I was like. Yeah, they made it a better game. So I've always been a heretic, and that's going to come out. I can see yeah. it right now. So you know, all in all, you know, a verifiable band of you know experts. Um, if by expert you mean having played the game for a minimum of two years, uh, you know, experts oh, no. in the <laughs> XCOM franchise and the games. Um, so yeah, that's why you should care, uh, and the other reasons because if you don't care, you know, it will break my heart. I will cry, and you'll be responsible for it. So. <laughs> However, if he cries, we record it and then put it up on YouTube, but only by subscription. So if you're interested in seeing that, please send us an email. I have watched I have watched cutscenes involving Julian for upwards of five hours. <laughs> oh my god. There's only like 30 minutes oh, of in-game whoa. content. I know. I'm fully aware. Wow. Verifiable yeah, expert in Julian. But, yes, you know, he, but... his pecs are very well oiled. <laughs> wow, okay. Well. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, all in all, it's pretty safe to say that, you know, a verifiable group of quote-unquote experts, if you squint so hard, you close both your eyes. But from there, you know, I, so we've all played Enemy Unknown and Enemy Within. We've all played XCOM 2 and I think War of the Chosen as well. Uh, if you haven't played any of those things, then, you know, what one of those two is better? Because I'm I'm going to say right now, okay, XCOM 1, uh, Enemy Unknown slash Within, clearly has the superior story. And if you think otherwise, uh, you're wrong. Excuse I'm, me, sir. I'm with I, him, actually. Excuse me. I'm going to heavily disagree because XCOM 2 has Julian. <laughs> The I'm kind of with you, though. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm actually with you. Uh, because XCOM 1 has a very, very clear arc and a good line of development. And XCOM 2 it really leaned heavily on that uh, procedural sort of, of long, long war-esque experience. And I don't think it came together as well. Yeah, I mean, personally, I'm a big fan of the sort of military setting of, of XCOM Enemy Unknown. It's more... It's more relatable. Uh, not that I've served in the military, and not that I've been a, in a resistance movement either. Uh, the, only re- <laughs> the, only, the only resistance that I deal with is the resistance to stay in bed all day instead of get out. Um, but 
it is you know you everyone comes from a country all countries have a military and so you can kind of relate to the idea of, of there of there being a military and protecting i don't know your country yeah, yeah not just protecting your country though protecting humanity and protecting your species i don't think there is a greater purpose in life than to defend your own species against guaranteed annihilation I don't well, there, think there is a bigger you know, yeah, purpose. I, I agree. Uh, basically, XCON 1 is a much more grounded experience in the terms of rela relatability. Because I remember when XCON 2 came out, one of the biggest concerns was like, we're a resistance. It's basically the same thing as like, you know, those Colombian terrorists. And that is not, that is <laughs> not part, true at yes. all. Yeah, but that's like the way pe most people think about it. And the interesting bit is that basically, you know, XCON 1 is all about you leading an intra-governmental base, uh, an organization that is basically a secret NATO, and that involves all the little logistics that you have, uh, that you would have in that position. I remember when I was flying back from LA last year, I was playing XCON Enemy Within on my laptop. I was the only person awake during the 12-hour flight. <laughs> And I was playing that, and I remembered that I didn't felt like I was playing a game, but it felt like I was actually being the commander of a military base. Because I was sitting there with my laptop, and I was getting reports constantly that were like, hey, this research is up, and I was reading the research and signing it off and pressing OK. Right. And then I was going somewhere and recruiting people and ordering people to do stuff. And all those myriad of decisions that always catapulted into something else and just kept going, and I just think that is amazing. Uh, but I don't I wouldn't say that XCOM one is better than XCOM two. Well, um, if if I may, I think um, with regards to the the uh, resistance thing, I I notice um, during from 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 a lot of XCOM pages, right? Uh, especially on Reddit, that accursed hellhole. Uh, there's you'll have on the one hand, you know, if people are talking about like XCOM Enemy Unknown. They'll be like, yes, humanity, the ultimate, the ultimate uh, place to be. But then the instant you start talking about XCOM 2, suddenly out of the woodwork comes a bunch of people who are like, but Advent was right, though. And those people need to be beaten. But I that's agree. A <laughs> but I, I, now I don't condone violence, but you're correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, okay, you, you can maybe make the point that XCOM 2 as a better game. You know, it certainly has. It certainly well, has. <laughs> you know, the, you know the more polished formula because Enemy Unknown was was the first attempt at what we would now sort of call you know the XCOM formula, which has been ripped off uh, many a time. Oh yeah. So you know, XCOM One, you know, Enemy Unknown was was the, was the first real attempt at that for you know the modern age, we'll say. Um, whereas XCOM 2 is, is a refinement on that, and there's a lot of features that are in XCOM 2 and, and that, that I would appreciate having been an enemy unknown. So, it may be the better game, but uh, I still think it has the superior story. Uh, and you know, to me, it's funny. I think the, the thing that makes it, well, the bits that make it a better game uh, get in the way of it actually being a better story, and there's something about the design that differentiates it strongly from X1 that I really 
didn't like it. So it's this increased obsession with no, no, go, go, go gameplay. Yes. Uh, it, I agree. It yes. felt very forced. And there were so many things that pushed me to play it faster than I wanted to. On the one hand, yes, I get you want it to be an oppressive experience. You want me to feel like I'm under time pressure, or like this this resistance is, you know, must under you gotta go. You gotta go, 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 go. There's no stop. But I don't want to play that game. I want to play the game where I'm a well, let's be honest, a sneaky, underhanded terrorist organization looking to Boy. stabilize your your group. <laughs> what? And We're not I, terrorists. No, Our goal is not to terrorists. create terror. We are absolutely terrorists. We're driving around <laughs> in a stolen battle cruiser. Well, isn't it a supply ship? But any, yeah, any, it was um, a, yeah, it was a farmer yeah. supply ship. Basically, it is a battle the, cruiser the, now. No, <laughs> it doesn't have weapons. It's so. you're dropping terrorists off around the world. Come on. Well, well, hold on. It does have some weapons, but you need to build the facilities for those. Right. Right. Yeah, so those initially, it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, like uh, technically speaking, a terrorist organization is an insurgent group whose only goal is to create terror. And our job is basically to liberate the people. We're not a terrorist organization. Yeah, we don't so so terrorist technically, say. we're a domestic terrorist group because we're, we're using political force for our, to further our goals. But, uh, violence. We're domestic we're using violence to promote a <laughs> yes, we're political using violence to further idea. political goals. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. really, so, really, domestic, what? not full. What terror comes down to, um, and you know, keeping this within the realm of XCOM here, sure, because obviously yeah. it's a very it's a very emotive topic, um, and a yes. lot of people are impacted by it uh, tragically. But terror can really just come down to it's in the eyes of the it's in the mind of the person judging the group. You know, absolutely. One per uh, I hate to say it because it's a cliched phrase. One person's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. Um, and that's not to say that's not to legitimize any any groups like that. But you know, it is completely completely reasonable if you are a you know a figure in the Advent administration to look at what XCOM is doing, destroying statues, uh, assassinating generals, um, breaking uh, dissidents out of out of uh, prisons, clinics, and commercial environments. And it is very, very easy to to look at that and go, that's terrorism. Um, but that's the bit where I disagree, because historically, every time we have something considered an act of terrorism, it doesn't actually involve destruction of property, but the taking of lives. An XCON as an organization, uh, at least you always as a player have the choice to do whatever the hell you want, but we are very specifically told to not engage civilians. Yeah, They're not even engageable by the game. None of them, the none of them ever die in the crossfire. It never happens. I never yeah. miss with that rocket or like, grenade. Well, <laughs> exactly, only... so that's the point. The only yeah. times you actually kill a civilian is because you, as a commander, went out of your way and had someone bomb something, which is basically the same thing as a civilian casualty in the Air Force. So it's very different from you ordering a soldier to target a civilian and shoot them down. But, but that would be an air war I, crime. I'm okay with being a terrorist organization in XCOP 2. That's not the problem. It's the gameplay pressure to force me to move faster because it wants me to, to be in that mode. That I don't, yeah, I don't I agree really with that. I just, I, you take the mod that removes the timers or doubles the timers all the timers, including the advent, uh, all those, all the special projects. And it's, 
it's so much better. It's a better game at the point, and it tells a better story. I agree with that, because one of the biggest concerns I have with the whole experience, even though it makes sense, because the idea that the game uses, and it does make sense from an in-game perspective, is you don't have a choice about skipping this mission because it is a target of opportunity. Right. And that is something that War of the Chosen actually makes it pretty clear because they added extra lines, but you always got Central coming over and saying, Commander, like we got word of this supply convoy moving here, but they're going to be moving again fast, so if we are going to hit them, we need to hit them now. That kind of stuff. Which makes sense. The problem is they're all linear. Yeah. Uh, I think Right? Yeah, I think the issue should be if you actually had a bunch of targets like you had in the first game with three terror missions and you could choose one of them, that would be amazing. So basically, missions should constantly come up uh, all around the world, and they would expire in one, two, or three days, and you would just have to do whatever you want when you want it. Yeah, be a much more that, realistic. To do that, they would have to actually make it okay for you to pass on two of the three, or you know, <laughs> to, to actually choose not to do some, rather than every choice is bad. <laughs> well, I mean, this is something that I, I've been thinking about recently, and that is, I... One thing I take big issue with is when they were marketing XCOM 2, they were really pushing this idea of, you know, you are, are a resistance movement, you are being proactive, you're no longer reactive. You know, and, and you're enemy right. unknown when you're defending the Earth, by, your, by, by the very nature, unless you're attacking them, you are a reactive force. And XCOM 2... I still feel like I'm a reactive force. I don't feel proactive in any sense of the word. Yeah, exactly. Even, even with the, uh, you know, on, on the uh, tactical layer where you, where you have, you know, the stealth, that still doesn't feel very, you know, proactive. I think a way you could fix this is, don't get, don't get me wrong, you need those targets of opportunity because it's realistic. Sure. But I like what they did for The Chosen where you had to go out of your way to, you know, send soldiers off to, you know, stalk the Chosen effectively, yeah. to go out of your way to unlock those opportunities for you to then go into the Chosen stronghold and take them out. That felt proactive. That is what I feel we should have been able to do. You know, if you want to, you know, really, you know, hit Advent where it hurts, it shouldn't just be, oh, a general is walking about. You should have to... You know, research the general. What's his movements? Where does he like to go? What forces does he command? And from there, build up a picture. And it wouldn't be as detailed as that. Again, it could be something similar to the you know resistance thing. You know, where how you do it with the, the chosen. But it's something to make it feel like I am making, I am taking steps to get missions rather than just having them thrust upon me. And you're making yeah. choices. But it's the lack of feeling like my choices matter in the grander scheme that bothers me, which wasn't a problem with X1 because obviously, you know, everything is, is hinging to, I research this first or do I take this? Yeah. It's yeah. Not the when same. do I send a satellite? Do I send a satellite? Where exactly. do I send the satellite? That's hugely important. I agree. Basically, I think like, uh, I we're obviously going to cover this at another point, but if they would, could mix the tactical improve, because tactically X Con 2 is a much better game than X Con yes. 1. No question. If they could, if they could mix uh, Tarico of XCON 2, the strategic and the general setting of XCON 1, and just improve both for the third one, I think would possibly be my favorite game of all time ever. You know, I, and I'm going to say something truly heretical at this point, because that's what <laughs> I do. Uh, 
I think the biggest failure point for building story is the fact that you have the Avenger in XCOM 2. You have one base, you got to move it around. It doesn't build you don't have time to build up, you know, a real context for it. It's just your base moves around and these missions pop up in places and they're not important. I mean, it's just the only thing that's important is how far is it from you from wherever you are at the time. I think that loses something. I think it loses something from the original XCOM, where you had bases and ships took time to get places, but you had multiple bases by late in the game, and you were intercepting ships in different places, and it mattered. That lack of mattering really bothers me. And as much as I like the Avenger as a concept, I, I don't think it was executed well. I agree. It's very different from you having like bases where you deploy things from. I remember how fun it was to basically be able to, oh, I'm going to build a couple more Raven interceptors and station yeah. them in Asia. That kind of stuff. Like that basically, that actually, I have, I have to stop saying basically so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's the bases, basically. It's the basics, yeah. Uh, that actually contributes a lot to the whole feel of running a proper military organization. Because as you said, you're not just chasing things around based on how fast you can get there, but you're sending people somewhere where you stay in an operating base doing something. So right. that is very different. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it seems to me that we've all come to a general agreement here that um, XCOM 2's tactical layer definitely you know, beats XCOM 1. It hurts me to say, but it does. Um, yeah. whereas, whereas the strategy layer of XCOM 1 is, is, you know, is vastly superior and I don't. We. I think we never really properly discussed which setting is better. I think that really just comes down to your own your own personal opinion. I mean, I know where I lie. I I love the military setting a lot more than I do the resistance one. I, um, I do have one way we can determine which one is better right oh. now. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's absolutely true. XCOM Two Enemy Unknown. You can buy everything for it on Steam for ten bucks USD right now. <laughs> uh, XCOM Two you can get for forty eight bucks USD on Steam right now with Were the Chosen, or you can spend twenty eight bucks on Fanatical. So if you're if you're looking to get a whole campaign for for a tenner, yeah, Enemy Unknown is your friend. If you want to get all the fancy DLC and and be able to run your own terrorist group. Uh, go to Fanatical and pick up XCOM 2 for 28. There you go. That's how I determine which one's better. Well, you know, speaking of terrorism, <laughs> we are not. Uh, <laughs> speaking, speaking, we are not associated with Fanatical, and Alex has not been paid by then. I just want to make that clear. No, yeah. I just like cheap. I like sales. <laughs> I can love sales. I'm cheap. Yeah, but you know, speaking of terrorism, like we like we have, uh, <laughs> you're making this hard for me to segue here. You're you're kicking my segue in the balls every time I say this, right? <laughs> Be glad. I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm trying to summon. Uh, okay, and speaking. <laughs> uh, oh my right. god. Okay. Okay. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Dead dead dogs. Okay. And speaking of terrorism, uh, <laughs> oh my god, that's horrible! Oh, just go with wow, that. Wow, that escalated quickly. That's, that's, Fuck the, that's the one. Oh, okay, right. Margaret okay. Thatcher naked. Oh, wow. there we go. Right, okay, yeah. So, <laughs> okay, can I go? Can I go? And speaking of terrorism, uh, Chimera Squad was a terrorist attack on the XCOM franchise. Um, wow. 
No. Wow. Wow. Did you okay. just go there? Did you? Wow. You did. Okay. No. No. It wasn't. It... Uh, that's a bit of a theme in XCOM Chimera squads, is it not? I, I, I never played that, it. Uh, I know that Cello has a lot of feelings about Chimera <laughs> Squad. But yeah, so it seems that, you know, and in Chimera Squad, you know, terrorism was was almost like a bit of a theme. You know, you have yep. the, the three main antagonist factions, um, as, as, well, as well as Shrek, I suppose. But, you know, you got uh, the Progeny, Sacred Coil, and, oh god, I forgot the other one. Um, Grey Phoenix. Grey Phoenix, thank you very much. Um, so yeah, and like, they all have, they all have something, that, they all have something that's the big bad that they want to unleash upon City 31. Um, and in fact, City, I mean, the, the game's, um, the game brought back the terror mechanic from mm -hmm. XCOM Enemy Unknown. So, I think it's quite what? safe to say that... No, it didn't. Yes, it did. No, it didn't. It brought back the idea of a similar concept. They don't even get close to each other. We, we don't have special abilities in a holographic city right. to magically reduce anarchy. That's <laughs> semantics, okay? Uh, that, okay, that's semantics. Th that's just your opinion, bro. Now, seriously, I, I don't think it is, it is a fair comparison, just because, because basically the same thing as saying, like, all, all of those games use those kind of mechanics just to instill that sense of urgency. Yes. So, that, whatever Chimera Squad does, is in no way related to the idea of the terror mechanic, because the terror mechanic is affected by your performance, and it is affected by your satellites, and by your research, and by how fast you're doing all the main missions and winning or losing things. And in the game, you basically get a steady increase all the time, and that is literally the same thing as the Avatar project. So you yep. hit a mission here, that reduces. You don't hit it, it just increases. The same thing as the Avatar pro project, and just like everything else in Chimera Squad, it is basically a deturpation of what XCOM 2 did. It's not really well, something novel or going back to the first game, it's just a different take on something that already exists. It seems to me that you, it's very similar, actually, to Enemy Unknown's, you know, you have a couple of missions available to you, you do one and that will prevent panic or lower panic, Pardon. and if you don't do the other one, um, then that one will have its panic increase. So, uh, you know, it's a different now, name, but that, to me, sounds a lot like the exact same mechanic as the before. From a mechanical well, point of if view. I, Go ahead, yeah. Kevin. Yeah. Uh, if I may, the um, in XCOM Enemy Unknown, it, it's been a while, but from what I remember, missions, like random alien sneaky missions, right, they won't appear in places where you have satellites and instead you'll get UFO missions over those. So you yes. can actually decrease the um, randomness of where missions will appear and you can effectively control your panic. So for exactly. instance, if you've got an entire an entire uh, uh, continent covered in these in, in satellites in, or sorry, you, you have one continent that's not covered in satellites all your terror missions are going to be on that continent and so usually as a result, if you take one mission there, it'll nullify the panic gain from not taking the other terror missions on the same continent. Yes. And besides the mat side, you also have the difference that the game ha 
you can also you can drop a satellite to stop terror missions, but the way that you behave during the actual interceptions also change what happens after. So if you yeah. actually manage to down a, a, an UFO, something happens. If you don't down the UFO, something else happens. If you let the UFO go, something else happens. So yeah. every single one of your choices through that results in a different outcome, which in Chimera Squad is literally did mission or didn't do mission, increased or didn't increase. Oh yeah, I can actually uh, give you the exact ones. Um, if you don't, if you ignore the UFO, then there it'll come back later. Trying looking for your satellite to shoot it down. If you shoot it down, it'll eventually repair itself and then leave. And if I remember correctly, usually there's a usually there's some form of of mission there later. And if you shoot it down and obviously you go there and you kill everything, then you've successfully won, effectively. That's the best option. There's also yeah. a way that you, uh, you can literally ignore them, uh, or I don't remember if you have to chase them or just let them go, to basically bait uh, higher level ships. So you have the scout ships, and if you let those go, then battleships come in. If you let them go, something bigger keeps going. So you can literally use that to manage what kind of loot you're going to get later in the game. If you're good enough, you can actually predict that and just go, okay, I'm going to let this scout go because they're going to send a battleship to try to shoot down the satellite. And then yeah. you intercept that thing with a firestorm and you get a better reward mission in response. You know, the yeah. funny thing about this is it, it echoes my objection to the developments between X1 and X2 in that the, the strategic level of decision-making keeps getting narrower and narrower so your decisions mm -hmm. make less and less you know there's one possible outcome either it it's binary this goes up or it doesn't go up and yeah. i i think that's really that and uh some of the overall lore implications of chimera squad those two game oh, don't get me started. Are, are why it's not necessarily as well received among the fan base don't, yeah, don't get me started on the lore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that could feel a whole podcast yeah. of its own. Well, I mean, I'm going to, you know, take the unpopular opinion here. <gasps> I oh, know. no. I know, r slash unpopular opinion. Um, r slash yeah. I am very smart. Yeah, I, I, but on a, on, a, on a serious note, I think that Chimera Squad gets more hate than what it rightfully deserves. Because, oh, that's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah, I think it gets because, slightly less. Because <laughs> it, you know, it, it made some changes that not everyone's a fan of, including myself. Um, and I think that, as always, the internet loves something to get angry at. And it's oh, just yeah. a case of the, the response to Chimera Squad is massively out of proportion from what it's actually doing, because don't get me wrong, if this was X if Chimera Squad was XCOM three, uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't get me wrong. At that point, what the current level it's getting would be justified, and then some. Oh, but yeah. as it currently stands, uh, is that you know it's a little side project. It's not meant to be taken too seriously. It was worth £10 at release, £20 after the sale ended. You know, it should be given the the level of, you know, expectations that a £10 game or a £20 game, whatever, you know, barometric you want to use there, deserves. 
Um, that makes uh, sense. But from a, from another perspective, that is the perspective of someone who's not too engaged into something. The problem that most people have, including me, with the game is not that it is a secondary game, but what that means for us fr as a franchise. And that is a very real consideration when you think about how pop culture has behaved in the past 50 years. So you get anything from Star Wars to Assassin's Creed that basically goes through market changes. Oh no, See? we're not going to talk about those, are we? Oh, we <laughs> That's are. That's another Because basically, Imera Squad is the quick, like, XCON is an alter game, right? It's basically the same thing as a Kojima game. It is made by one guy that has a very strong vision of what he wants to make because, you know, he became a game developer because he liked XCON. Yeah, and then right. he And then he tried doing the game for like seven years. And eventually he got the approval from Firaxis after two or three different prototypes. And that became Enemy Unknown. On the other hand, you have Chimera Squad, which is very clearly a market data-driven game. It's a game that when it was released, the press release didn't read, oh, this is an amazing new spin-off entry. It literally said, and I quote, We know fans have been eager to dive back into the world of XCON. XCON Chimera Squad offers tremendous value, and we're intentionally lowering the barriers of entry for new fans to the franchise with a game XCON veterans will really enjoy. That came from Melissa Bell, Senior Vice President and Head of Global Marketing at 2K. So basically, it says, this game is, uh, has been developed to reach you know, high, uh, new audiences that haven't been uh, engaged by the previous games, while at the same time it satisfied the strategic need of existing fans. So it was basically a game made to reach new people, which is not a problem in itself, but then when you look back at the way Assassin's Creed went <laughs> from being a great tale between right and wrong, with a very moral, weird centerline, and it became, hey, 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 GTA with pirates. Yeah, and then you look at Star Wars, which was like... Yeah, and then you look at Star Wars, which was an amazing, like, beautiful thing about, like, the space fights were basically based on uh, World War II dogfights. The battles and the force was based on Buddhism and all, form of, no, all forms of religion, and based on Akira Kurosawa art movies and things like that. And then suddenly you get the new movies, which are crap. Yes. Well, well if I may, right, like... Before this, the, the trilogy that was before the sequel trilogy, the trilogy that was the worst was the prequels. And yet, right, there's there's things that people really love about the prequels. For instance, uh, at the very beginning of episode three is one of the best space fights in all of Star Wars. Which is pure it, like, Star Wars. Yeah. And they also have, at the very end, is the best lightsaber fight in all of Star Wars. Is Obi Wan versus? I'm talking in terms of like in, in terms of like choreography. Uh, I'm not talking. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm talking. You're getting yeah. out there in the weeds, kid. I no, no. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying in terms little. of choreography, not in terms of the um, the the emotional payoffs or whatever behind it. <laughs> just just pull it back just a little bit. I'm not sure. Yeah, you know, you know that far. it's That's... one of the best duels. There you go. That's All right, enough. fine. It's one of the. It's the top ten. And <laughs> they're only and six. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and not just that, right? Like the music, the music is incredible. You know, every like a, a lot of there. For instance, um, Duel of the Fates. Everyone remembers that. Sure, we're getting too far for next one. Yeah, yeah, let's let's pull it back to Chimera Squad. Well, 
I it's it's Chimera Squad is an interesting piece of work. I mean, let's let's look at it as a as a piece of work, a, a contextual expansion of the setting. I it's obviously trying. If you look at the advertisements, it's obviously trying to to pitch to the. Weirdly enough, like the Overwatch crowd, even though it has nothing in common mechanically, they focused on, yes, you have these characters with these personalities and these special powers that can combo together, which is, you know, not an invalid mode for a a turn-based strategy game. Uh, Several have done it before, but then it's just, it's a very weird choice taking and putting all the alien powers and and the human development stuff in a police force. It's basically a police force fighting crime in a single city. In a sense, it's the perfect experimental Petri dish for new XCOM mechanics. But unfortunately, what do you grow in a Petri dish? Uh, generally bacteria. <laughs> yeah. But I, I sh- yeah, there's a, there's a few other, like some of the design choices for that are, pretty bad like uh one of the things that really annoyed me with that was they were showing off the gameplay and i was going oh this is really neat and then i'm hearing the character voices and i'm uh-huh. going why why do these aliens not sound like aliens <laughs> yeah why do they sound like normal people yeah like it's little it, it's a small thing it's a really little thing but that's one of those things where i go but i want to hear the aliens of like, like I want to hear the muton guy, disgusting person that he is. Yeah, sound like <laughs> a massive, a big grunty dude. Yeah, like a right? really because that's what the mutons sound like and, when you and fight vipers them. Vipers should be. Hey, yes, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's, yes, the snake should litter, and she doesn't do that. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Let's go back to my place for uh, some. For uh, okay, no. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna, so, I'm gonna you know, stop before I. Yeah. It's all very, hurt. it's all very valid points about about Chimera Squad, and, and I'm I don't deny any of those. Um, you I mean you're not wrong? I just think that you know it's making a mountain out of a molehill because yeah. I personally have to take issue with the idea that Chimera Squad spells the downfall uh, for for XCOM. I think that's a very pessimistic way. Of looking at yeah, it, yeah, it's, norm- not, and it's I'm not normally that important a, to the franchise, and I'm normally a very and I'm a very pessimistic person, as I'm sure Cello can can <laughs> can attest. I'm very pessimistic and very cynical, um, but I think that you know it needs a bit of a look of you know a, a bit of optimism. If the Chimera Squad had been made by Jake Solomon, if Jake Solomon himself made Chimera Squad, then again, I agree that response would be justified. But I think for as long as Solomon is on staff, as long as Solomon is in charge of the mainline XCOM games, I don't think we have anything to be worried about. Um, Because it's not like Jake Solomon is looking at Chimera Squad and going, that's what we need. You know, and it's not like marketing has gone up to Jake Solomon and telling him how to do his job. As you said, Cello, he <sighs> is an auteur. He makes games <laughs> based off of his own vision. And so it, to me, seems that the concern is that Chimera Squad is somehow going to corrupt his vision. 
which I don't think is going to happen. The only way for games like Chimera Squad to become XCOM is for Jake Solomon to no longer be in the picture. But at that point, is it even XCOM anymore? You know, I mean, it it's even... still XCOM. The IP it, will continue. It's, to occur. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. It's, it's, it's XCOM the IP, but I think we can all agree what makes XCOM XCOM is, is Solomon. I agree with the... I agree with the principle of that, but the problem is the only reason why Chimera Squad is not going to be the downfall of XCOM is because it was badly received. I mean, there's we, that. Yeah, so basically, if, if Chimera Squad had been a massive success and everybody had loved the police thing, I assure you the next game would be impacted by that. I, because I as have much a question. I, yes. I have a question, Cello. This is, this is kind of cunning and important. Uh, is there any part of... Uh, of Chimera Squad that you you actually like that you think is an improvement over say XCOM Two, not at the top of my mind. There are some really? things that yeah, uh, like I, I'm pretty sure that I don't remember what I wrote in the reviews, but basically because it's been a while. But uh, my general feeling of the game was this is a game made by people who don't get the franchise, and the reason for that is something that Kumiko said uh, is the details. And the devil is in the details. Like, anyone that plays Metal Gear knows that if you're carrying an empty magazine in your hand and you throw it in somebody's head, you knock the people out. Which, when you discover that by yourself, is absolutely fucking amazing. Because it makes complete sense. You just throw a huge hunk of metal into someone's face and you hear clunk and the person falls down. I- I'm not sure unconsciousness is the necessary, <laughs> but you've attracted their attention and they're going to subscribe have... to your newsletter. Yes, there is a little, a mild case of serious brain damage. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> it's absolutely genius, and those are the details that bother me in Chimera Squad, because Chimera Squad doesn't only try things for trying it out's sake, it literally ignores established everything to make its own thing. So it is basically the equivalent of, you know, the new Star Wars movies or anything like that. It basically looks and says, like, the, the main games are pretty clear about that, and we can say that because you have dialogues, and you have project reports, and you have autopsies, and you have cutscenes, and you have literal explanations of everything. Tygon literally turns in two different separate occasions in XCON, including a giant cutscene near the end of the game, and says, the Advent people, troopers, are not people. They are not clones. Yeah. They are manufactured. They are not people who are, have volunteered. They are not people who have been kidnapped. They are not humans. They are templates made with alien DNAs who are then transforming to real people. And then Chimera Squad turns and says, oh, those two people, they're hybrids. That lady was an Australian lady Australian lady that, hey, now she's an Advent Trooper. Uh, That's not to say that the alien tech couldn't change over time or anything like that. Let's let's leave the lore aside for a minute. But the lore is hugely important because XCON 1 and 2, they had a full team about that. Like XCON 2 has three different narrative people. It has a writer, it has the creative director, which is Jake, and it has a narrative guy. Chimera Squad only has one person that is in charge of absolutely everything, and that one person clearly didn't respect what is established. That is a problem for me, because the thing that makes XCOM 2 so amazing is how everything makes sense. When you look at it, it actually does make sense. The, the, problem, the problem I find with a lot of the criticism with Chimera Squad is it just doesn't actually talk about... I mean, I, I agree, the lore is crap. The, does it respect the IP as a whole? No. But... There are some interesting things that they're experimenting with in Chimera Squad. The, you burst into the room and, you know, here's a few seconds of action that you can sort of pre-plan and, and work with, which they did lift from other tactical um, 
police games. I mean, it's well, not like it's not been done before. You mean the bridge it's, thing? It's kind of cool. Didn't, didn't XCOM 2 have something similar with the whole uh, the your, stealth your, your stealth? Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it did. And then that was one of its really nice innovations, if you were asking me. But that's actually a very good example, because in XCOM 2, you can break consumement when you want, and you can do it in a billion ways. You want to put everyone into Overwatch and shoot, you have that option. You want to throw a grenade, you have that option. Psych power, have that option. You want to break just one guy, have that option. Yeah, and and you can also have the option of, if you aren't careful, then you lose concealment. Yeah, you can Exactly. But all of of those things would not make sense in Chimera Squad. Like, I get you're coming Why not? Well, why, why am I why am I forced to take one of two options, which is either shoot someone or run for cover? Why am I forced to only put three people through a door instead of four? Why am I forced to not put a whole team on the roof and have them drop down from above? None of the decisions are based on logic; they are based on arbitrary game balance. It's the same thing as the interleaved order. The interleaved order is not based on initiative. Or speed of reaction, or like, oh, the sniper is fast, the the snake is faster, therefore it moves faster. It is all based on a, who is the first person to enter, and then you just get enemies thrown anywhere. Yeah, the interleaved order is crap. I, I don't think there's any way around the fact that the interleaved order was a terrible mechanical design. Uh, it wants to be a JRPG, and it's not. All right, fine. That, that's cool. I can live with that. But there are good bits here and there. The combos, the fact that characters can have interactions uh, with their powers. And, you know, it makes it gives you something to decide in the combat. That's a good that's a good thing. I'm in favor of it. But that already happened with XCOM 2 without reducing yes, any of the Yeah. So I could have, you know, someone use a bone thing to give someone else an extra ability and then the sniper would shoot everyone with a revolver and then the psyops would give the sniper another action and suddenly my sniper would fire five shots in one turn. Yeah. And then Chimera Squad doesn't have that because the balance is very different. And while what? I think it is interesting that they tried, it clearly can't hold you for 20 hours. I was bored after 15. I wanted to kill myself, but oh, I had to finish the game. That, Whoa, if that anybody jello, tells you Chimera Squad should be or was designed to be a 20-hour game, they are lying to you. They are, want are, you, are you saying that Chimera Squad wasn't intended to be the game that you play all day, every day, for the next five years yeah. of your life? Yeah, it's No, like, no nobody's kinda... saying, we're not going into start sits on territory, but basically <laughs> oh, Chimera's... No. No, it, it, it's a very different thing, but basically there's a difference for me between good game design and just throw whatever at the wall and see what sticks, and Chimera Squad is very much the later for me. Like, it doesn't respect lore, it doesn't respect anything the previous games made, it doesn't respect any of the bounds, like, we, we have... The, we have proof of that. There are several tweets from Jake, and Jake like seems to be a very, you know, self-deprecating guy and very like focused on all that. And he basically turns and says, Oh, the designer from Chimera Squad asked me what I thought about this thing, and then he ignored me and did something else. So yay, that was the good decision. But it wasn't, and we have proof of that. So Chimera Squad is is for me, honestly, is the equivalent of a fun fiction. It is something made it is by someone. Who, yeah, a fan fiction side story. There's no question about that. Exactly. Is, is it? It is a fan fiction that was authorized by Firaxis, because there is not anything on it that supports the existence of XCON as we know it. If it's if it comes down to me, I'm like, you know what? As a ten dollar game, it's a perfectly serviceable and even good game. As a twenty dollar game, eh, it's getting to that break point. But then I start looking at the fact that I like indie strategy games and i already own a better version of this game it's called frozen synapse 2 
Well, if I may, there's a really uh, there's a really good game called Into the Breach, and yes. it's amazing, and yes, you should all excellent. play it. Uh, everyone who's watching this podcast, I understand that this is for that this is for XCOM people only, and I'm being very heretical. Uh, but Into the Breach, amazing game, <laughs> play it. Like, no, actually, it's a good game. It's an absolutely good game. It's 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 chess and bowling with big robots. It's amazing. <laughs> if you're looking for that police experience of of breaking into a place through a limited number of entries and then having to make really tight decisions, um, Door Kickers. Door Kickers is a great game. It is um, amazing. And, uh, yeah, and, and I, it's also it, on mobile, which you can play on any tablet, which is a fantastic experience. Yep. And and I think that's another problem with Chimera Squad. And this is I don't think I've heard anybody talk about this before, but I think it's absolutely true. Chimera Squad feels like it was designed for mobile. It's got the big touch areas, like yeah, you I look can, at the, I can see, yeah, the technical side, right? Yeah, I mean it's got everything it needs to to just be touch driven with the big clear icons and you know just touch yeah. this area and giant it, interface the textures are all like basic colors yeah okay kind of stuff. so yeah in that case enemy unknown is available uh i don't think well enemy within sorry enemy is within, available yeah. On, on mobile yeah mobile so how would you say that a hypothetical mobile command squad would hold up against uh mobile enemy within it wouldn't Okay. Uh, okay, I think that okay. I, I use Beacon because this is like this completely bullying Chimera Squad at this rate. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, and don't don't deny it. You're not wrong. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, you're not wrong. This seems yeah. to me right. Okay, as there are there are issues with the game. Again, I don't deny that. Um, there are there are certainly issues with the game uh, as we've gone over at length. Um, there are issues with the and game. width. Yes. Yeah. But I, I just <laughs> no, no, we're not doing no. that. This is this is no. family friendly. It, you're right. You are absolutely correct. Um, for but two questions. One, uh, do you think it's a good game at the price point? Uh, uh, what price point are you referring to? The initial release price or the current price? Let's say right now, which is like. 15% off on Steam. So it's uh 12 13 let's say let's say 15 pounds just, 15 just to pounds. throw it on the table. Okay. At 15 pounds I would say yes because so my my metric for whether a game is priced correctly. Do I get 2 hours for every pound I spend on the game? Uh that is my personal metric. Um I for me Camara Squad would, would meet that metric, uh, but that's because I play the game multiple times. Uh, I've, I mean, I've right. played Chimera Squad a couple of different campaigns by now. So I would say, yeah, it is because you know it's got all the things that I feel that it needs personally uh, to be replayable. Uh, it has workshop support, um, and whilst it is as mods, whilst it's nowhere near as many mods as mm -hmm. XCOM Two. Um, it, you know, it definitely has those mods. So, yeah, I feel that at £15, the game is, is worth that. So, the second question, right, which, you know, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. Second question is, what is your favorite part about Chimera Squad? Okay, uh, I'm, I'm going to really upset Cello by saying this. <gasps> I really am. We've talked about something similar to this before. Uh, I like the characters. Um, oh, okay. interesting. 
I am under no illusions that the writing is lackluster at best, okay? I am disappointed by Chimera Squad because it could have been so much better. And yes. for me, the characters is where that is. And the reason that Cello and I are going to disagree on this is because, now, if I'm misrepresenting you, Cello, yell at me at any point. Oh, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Cello likes the big picture. You know, he likes, you know, having lots of soldiers under his command that are not necessarily anime-like individuals, like, yeah, but more just like, you know, another body amongst many soldiers. Um, and collectively is where the power lies. Just to clarify a little bit, is less that and more, uh, to me, an integral part of XCON is the idea that, just like in real life, those people are not made to please me as a fan. The people you get on XCON 1 and 2 are random people from any nationality, any gender, any sexual orientation. You don't know where they came from. All you know is that those people are dedicated to fighting. So if... And you can customize them whatever way you want. So if the game had, like, touches of personality, I wouldn't mind. Which is, like, XCOM 2 has that. Like, they have different voices, they have different stances. Those are things that I obviously don't mind, because I like my soldiers to have personality. What I don't like is have absolutely zero control over those people, which is what happens in Chimera Squad. Personally, I like the fixed characters, um, because, to be honest here... I'm not a particularly creative or imaginative person. I know, oh, no. it's horrible. But I am not, you know, the most imaginative person possible. You know, when I play The Sims 4, I make the same sim every fucking time. I probably shouldn't have that. I make the same sim every time. He looks the exact same. The only difference is what bloody occult I make him. Uh, that that's the one thing that changes. All so right, fair I'm not a particularly creative person. So I like that Chimera Squad goes. These are your characters. Get to know them because you know they are. These are your agents, and I like that. And that's why I'm disappointed at the same time because they are nowhere near as fleshed out as I'd hope they've been. And that's where the problem is with all the Chimera Squad feedback, both on both on the good side and the bad side. Your reason for not caring, or, or better, for liking those characters, is because you don't care about the freedom to choose your character in the first place. So for anyone else that cares about, oh, I don't want my character to wear this, because like I'm the fucking commander. If I say no smoking in the Avenger, is no smoking in the Avenger my prerogative, and XCON 2 and XCON 1 are pretty clearly dedicated to that. It's the reason why XCON 2 originally had a voiced commander that was a male person, and they abandoned that idea because they were like, you have to, to put yourself into that character. That is you. That is why every cutscene, they talk to you. So same thing with the characters. Like, you know, you get a soldier who is like a random person, any name, whatever, and then you can look at them and say, I don't want you to wear that stupid hat. Because that's not what a real operative could use. Or you can turn and say, I don't want you to use a military fatigue, just go yeah. butt naked. Yeah, you, can, you can say, Anarchy's children, it is time. Yeah, exactly. And no one should take that choice away from you. Because in my opinion, and uh, as a gamer, is player agency is the single most important thing in any game. You have to be able to do what you want. And the moment the game stops you for arbitrary reasons, it is no longer a good game for me.
I find it really funny that I'm between you guys on the character issue. On the one hand, I don't mind that they have pre-created characters, but I don't have any agency in, in making one. And that's what I want. I, I don't care if I get a random selection, which, you know, represent the, the multinational side of things. It's a city. Uh, on the other hand, I have no input into creating. I, I can't pick my cops or my, my special operators, my, yeah. you know, trained assassins. I can't set it up the way I want to. And because the characterizations don't go far enough, as, as they're very lackluster. Yeah, yeah, I mean, are, are, just... are you are you saying that generic snake lady who doesn't even speak with a hiss isn't <laughs> very I'm fleshed out? She only gets me a little excited. Okay, but what about what about giant fish face man? No, surely, surely he's yeah up your alley. No, no, not doing it for me. Sorry, yeah. but yeah, I, I think what I want if you pull that scale down. I want characters which lean more toward the RPG side of things with options for people to go, yes, generic snake lady who is fast and sneaky and can spit poison for heck. I want to make my own not generic snake lady who has a different color and maybe a different skill layout. Which is a problem that they could have avoided by just making half the squad pre-made. Yeah, I think that would have been a, a good compromise. I, I They have the tech. I think there's a lot of potential in doing things they way they did in Chimera Squad. Chimera Squad didn't have to be a game that we can spend an hour deconstructing and and working real hard to find something good to talk about in yeah. context. It I didn't have to be. It had all the tools to be a really good game yeah. that we were all on board for. It picked too much middle of the road, built by committee, <laughs> feels like it was mistargeted, didn't care about the lore. Maybe the problem, and this is going to be truly heretical, maybe the problem with Chimera Squad is that it's an XCOM game. If it hadn't been an XCOM yeah, I'm, game. I'm, without, I'm, I'm in agreement with that. Yeah, maybe it maybe it just, just didn't need to be an XCOM game. On that note, uh, the Discord community recently we added a new fun creations channel that has been very successful, and a lot of people from all over Dexcon fandom have just been doing a lot of stuff. So I think we should comment on a few of them, and you know, give a little sure. spotlight to the amazing work the fans are doing. Yeah, I mean, let's do it. Do you have any any favorite examples? That, like, yeah, well, starting of that is there is an amazing clay statue made by user Ashen, Ashen Scarlogs. Thank you. Russian Scarlocks, which actually he spent almost a month going back to the Discord with several work-in-progress pictures and getting our feedbacks on it. And you can see it on your screen now. If you're not watching the, the screen, uh, go back to the YouTube channel and start watching it. But uh, we're showing it on screen right now. Through <laughs> the magic it, television. Through the magic television. Yeah. It's very cool. It's a very cool piece. It's a very neat piece. It's a it's a little crucifixy, but it's very <laughs> crucifixy. Neat. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of amazing how close he got, both in the color and the shape of the actual game version yeah. that you can see below. Yeah. So that's yeah, I quite like it. That's that's very good. That's much better than anything I can do. 
<laughs> oh, don't be so harsh on yourself. Just you That's wait. Brutal. I'm gonna make you. Jeez. I'm gonna make XCOM coasters. I'm gonna send them to all of you. <laughs> You'll have no choice. I want that. I definitely want that. Well, I'm going to try to anyway. I've got a bunch of wood. I need to carve. <laughs> I got a bunch of wood. It's a very weird thing to say. <laughs> well, we get it free at our job. Like, oh my god! Ironically, when you cut, do you know how many trees I cut down in a single day? There's like fifteen. Okay. Evan, did you just tell me you get wood at your job? Yes, you get free <laughs> okay. wood at, just at my checking. job if you like. Yeah. On on the on the topic of fan creations, actually, there is yeah, there is, absolutely there is, very there is something very nice that I want to submit now. You know. I, I'm sorry. I've been a bad boy. I haven't submitted this prior to the podcast. If it is a sexy bread, Ooh, it's not. This. It's not. Um, so this hasn't actually been submitted in the Fan Creations Discord channel. This is, uh, is in the wider XCOM community. I imagine you have all heard of the list. Things XCOM operatives are no longer allowed to do. <laughs> oh no. No, but what? No, but what I would like to no. say. <laughs> is that what I've just posted in here uh, I recommend everyone look at this because this is amazing and we'll put it in the show notes um, this is an amazing uh, fan fiction that has been written by Darkwolf602 I don't know who that is but that's the name uh, and you know it's not been updated since you know 2019 but don't worry about that this is uh, basically telling some some stories based on those the, the list of things you're not allowed to do. And a, a very brief example of a thing you're not allowed to do is, uh, let's see, SCOM rule 134. Rookies are measured for armor during induction, not coffins. Stop telling them otherwise. 134A, we don't <laughs> measure you for coffins because there isn't usually enough left to bury is not a viable alternative either. So, <laughs> that is an amazing rule, and, yeah. you know, I, I have read those lists and gone, I'd love to have heard the story behind that, and if you've ever heard of some of that, you know, craziness, and you went, what is the story behind that? Oh, this yes. fiction is what, that is fanfic, is telling you what the hell caused that to happen. Um, not canon, sadly, but it is amazing, and I cannot recommend it enough. <laughs> See, I-, I love how as you progress on that list, it's always li- like they start making a cult around the commander. <laughs> I-, I want to imagine that I-, I just one day Jake comes on, you know, because like in episode 100, Jake comes on and he's like, hey guys, yeah, so actually that list I've just made a canon <laughs> right now. <laughs> and It's on and the wall, in is... the bathroom, in the Avenger. <laughs> And for another fan creation, we got uh, what so far uh, I is the only non-sex-related Viper <laughs> image I've ever saw submitted by a fan, which by itself deserves to be here, which actually fe- features a very cute white and red young Viper, seems like a young Viper, Viper girl Nina. just... Uh, Raptor. Th- th- that's a Viper name. <laughs> exactly, from, from, uh, yes. from Viper, which, yeah. Which is why it's on Bradford. Alien Hunters, which is just... Praise be. <laughs> covering so, Bradford's It's kawaii. Oh, is what? It's kawaii. It's kawaii. <laughs> kawaii. See, I, I, like, I like how Bradford is just thinking... Like, y- you see him, and you just know he's thinking, this is why I don't fight at close range. <laughs> close range. <laughs> why? <laughs> close, close range? range? Um... <laughs> this- 
Point blank. <laughs> it's too old for this. Well, you know what? That, you know this gives me big vibes of. Uh, it is big vibes of the dad that says we're not getting a dog, and then proceeds to be the dog's best friend when they never get it. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's uh, what this is. Yeah. He's uh, like, oh, we're not keeping a viper uh, meal, mate, and now that's his daughter. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry, but. And on that note, uh, we approached the end of our first XCON podcast. Yeah. You it has been uh, a jazzy experience, to say the least. Uh, I have a question. How did I? How do I leave? Where did I go? <laughs> I don't. How did I get here? Um, you can check in. Yeah. You can oh, okay. okay. No, so, there we go. No, 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 no. Listen, listen. I understand that this is the Big Sky episode. You know, the very first one. <laughs> it, it's it's the pilot, yeah. if you will. Yeah. yeah. But strike one one. What, where does he drop me off? Where are we? <laughs> uh, I'm gonna mute you on the end. But yeah, I, so we hope you guys liked it. And if you have any feedback, suggestions of topics, or if you're even interested in being part of the XCON podcast, uh, click on the link below that's gonna be in the descriptions. And we'll see you next time. Say goodbye, guys. Goodbye, guys. Bye. <laughs> it was inevitable. Please. It was amazing. Please evac this unit now. You cannot be evac. <laughs> you cannot even die. Where's that plane of your? Good luck, Commander. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Aha! In my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.